Welcome to episode 73 of the Graveyard Shift Horror Podcast and our special Halloween episode. I'm your host, Sheldon, and with me, of course, as always, is my co-host, Mike. Boo, everybody! Mike, happy Halloween, buddy. Ah, happy Halloween right back at you. Man, this is absolutely the best time of year. Uh, Usually I've got a big project for Halloween. This year my Halloween's been scaled down quite a bit, uh, mostly because I've got my house put up for sale, and I can't really go all out with the decorations. The best I can do is, like, something that I can throw up on the day of and, like, take down again that night, so... I don't know, it would, be, it would be a great time to show off the house being like, hey, this could be your Halloween haunted house. Yeah. Um, one thing I did do, though, is that since, like, since the house is up for sale right now, I'm probably, I'm not probably not going to be here for next Halloween. Um, there's a skeleton, like this actually, like, life-size skeleton, that uh, normally what I do with it is I partially bury it in my flower bed in the front yard, so it looks like a skeleton coming out of the ground. Oh, that's sweet. Um, so actually what I'm going to do with it when I move out is I'm going to dig a big hole in the backyard and just bury it there so that somebody in the future, if they're digging around this thing, like in the backyard, digging up for some reason, they'll uncover the skeleton. (laughs) So that's going to be pretty fun. I won't be there to see it, but I'll maybe hear about it afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to, you're not going to leave like a little time capsule in the skull. Like, gotcha. No, I'm not going to say, no, there's not going to be anything there saying it's a joke. It's just, dude, someone's just going to dig up this skeleton in the backyard. And just people will be like, wow, just think, ages ago, plastic people lived on, plastic people lived on these lands. Yeah, this one was made in China. <laughs> oh, um, the beauty of immigration. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, actually, what we're planning on doing, like, we're just going, for, as for decorations, just on, like, our front steps, we're just going to carve a bunch of different jack-o'-lanterns. Um, and we're going to open the garage door and I'm going to hang a sheet on the back wall, white sheet, and put a few movies on my DVD projector. And, uh, well, it's not a DVD projector. It's just a projector, but I can, you know, <laughs> play whatever I want on it, like connect it to my laptop, whatever. But I'm just going to put on some, uh, some old movies, some like maybe universal, uh, monster movies. And uh, play them in the garage, and we're just going to sit around and watch it, and trick-or-treaters can come directly to the garage. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, and if anybody, any neighbors want to join us or anything like that, they can certainly come by. We'll have some treats and some drinks, and it'll be a fun time. Little uh, little spliffer treat, since it's uh, <laughs> legal now. Oh, yeah. Man, that's going to be the worst, because I feel bad for kids trick-or-treating, because there's going to be so many adults with the munchies now that... <laughs> The treats are going to be scaled back a bit. <laughs> Sorry, here's a box of raisins. <laughs> so anyway, uh, guys, we wanted to do something different. And I know I said that last time, last episode, and we did do something different. But we really want to do something different this year for Halloween, for a Halloween episode. And this was something we actually discussed First, when we started doing this podcast, actually, before we even released our first episode, this is something we talked about when we were kind of plotting out uh, what we were going to do in regards to our format. And I know, you know, uh, I know and you guys know, our normal thing is that each week we watch a horror movie uh, that's usually suggested by one of you guys, one of our amazing listeners, and we break it down to the good, the bad, and whatever. If there's something a little different, we'll make up another category. Um, this time around, though, we're not even going to do a movie 
we are going to do something that influenced the movie, actually influenced a few movies, um, but it was something that's connected with Halloween, and it's the 80th anniversary of this thing, and we thought it would be a great time to talk about it. So, Mike, why don't you tell everybody what we got for them this week? Today's episode is the original fake news, because we watched, well, nothing, but we listened to the 1938 Orson Welles broadcast of the War of the Worlds. We did the War of the Worlds radio play. It was literally released 80 years ago today. That's another reason why we decided to wait until Tuesday to release this episode instead of our normal Monday. Um, just yeah, so that we, we weren't could running drop late. This. We weren't screwing up. No, not unlike uh, the other times we missed our Monday <laughs> release date because we were just way, way, way behind. This was actually intentional. So shut up. Um, <laughs> yeah, shut, we, shut up, we, fake we, arguer. We, <laughs> shut up, you guy listening. We know it's you, Kevin. <laughs> so we want to talk about this radio play because, like I said, this was released on October 30th, 1938, and... I think everybody knows what happens. Everyone kind of knows the story. If not, here's a little recap. Orson Welles um, adapted a radio play from the original book, War of the Worlds. He, it was uh, adapted from the original H.G. Wells novel. And and when we say adapted, he basically took the concept and that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, in concept overall theme. It's the same story a, a lot of details changed <laughs> for instance the original novel took place in 1898 and and in woking england it, that's right but uh the reason this war of the world's radio play is famous is not because of the play itself which was fantastic in its own right but because it was basically a fake news report it was a play that was put on that came in like a news report. Um, the way they did it was even like the radio station was getting interrupted with these news reports about an alien invasion. And they said at the beginning, you know, that they introduced it. This was a play by uh, Orson Welles based on the novel War of the Worlds, blah, blah, blah. But that's great if you were there at the beginning to listen to it. If you tuned in after that introduction... You would have thought that it was an actual, someone was actually reporting on an actual Martian invasion. Yep, if you were and, the type of person that is listening to Jack Benny and just thinks, well, time for commercials, time to start channel surfing. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people did. A lot of people that were picking up this broadcast tuned in partways through it and thought that there was an actual alien invasion happening and uh, aliens were killing people. People, literally, there was panic in the streets. People were rushing out of their homes. Some of them rushing out of their homes. Some people barricading themselves into buildings. Some people rushing out, like going to police departments. Uh, there was people running around the streets with wet towels over their faces because they were convinced that the Martians were gassing them. <laughs> it was just utter pandemonium. Um, actually, he even ended up having to go to court. Like, he was brought up on charges. <laughs> Um, nothing, never, ever actually got officially, I'm not sure if he didn't get officially charged with something or not convicted at least, 
But uh, yeah, there was apparently that uh, there was some legal issues because of the uh, all the fallout from this thing. But yeah, that's it's kind of like today as if you put on a found footage movie and nobody told you it was just a movie and you just put on this tape and saw all this, you know, found footage and thought it was something real that happened. Yeah, like the Blair Witch Project. And if you told them this is an actual documentary that the police found, like the police found the footage of people that went missing. They never found the bodies, but they found this. Exactly. And Which I was actually the... under the impression of when I saw that movie in theaters. A lot of people were, apparently. I went with a group of friends when that movie came out, saw it in the theater, and at least a couple of them were saying, like, oh my god, so th they never found out what happened to these people? And we're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, what happened to them? It's like, no, they found this footage, and I'm like, no, it's, it's a movie. They're like, no, it was on the news, they found this footage, and I was like, this was not on the news. <laughs> this is... That's what, is that's it what real? I saw. I saw the news and thought, <laughs> oh shit, the thing is real? Why the fuck are they showing it as a movie? Oh my god, that's hilarious. Wow. The, the fucking fake news, man. <laughs> okay, so... Now this is curious, like we're kind of just freebasing this one point, kind of uh, flying by the seat of our pants, because we don't really know how to approach it. Like we both found a copy of the original radio play. Like, unedited, just the way that it was presented way back in 1938. And I guess we can kind of do it in our regular format, like the way we broke we break it down into the good and the bad. Because there are good things about it, and certainly some bad things. I, I know I've got a couple of bad things. Things that, and when I say bad, just things about it that I didn't like, thought it could have been improved. Yeah, same here. Uh, a lot of things that I could mention, I could probably go through a few more things, but... A lot of things are just because it's a product of its time. And I don't want to criticize it because of that. So, that's the only... It's going to be really nitpicking. But anyway, if anybody is unfamiliar with the story, here's the basic breakdown. Um, it's a one-hour pro one program. It's a uh, radio play. Uh, basically, it follows the broadcasts of a um, news radio... Uh, sorry, yeah, broadcast of a radio station when a it keeps getting interrupted for bulletins. First of all, it says that uh, a, like a, an observatory has seen that there's been some explosions on the surface of the planet Mars. At first, they think it's just like uh, volcanic events. Yes, why they are what are saying this is like a big like discovery i'm not sure why this the and i don't i don't even think that would be be something to in the, this day and age uh something to interrupt like any type of regular broadcast for to say yeah. that there's been some some scientists noticed some eruptions in mars yeah i mean the scientists would be like fuck gary you just look at this like there's like things yeah. on mars like among scientists yeah but it at this point there's nothing to be like let's interrupt the lawrence welk Easy listening for old people, radio hour. Yeah, okay, so Just to so let imagine, them know we saw some shit go boom. Yeah, imagine you're watching Game of Thrones. And it gets interrupted because you want to do some special like news bulletin that some scientists in, a, uh, in an observatory with a telescope noticed that there might have been some volcanic eruptions on Mars. People will be so pissed off. 
Yeah. Like, it would probably be something that would get mentioned on the news, but it's not something that would interrupt anybody's like regular broadcast. Yeah, I don't want to hear... I don't want any interruptions from my Glenn Campbell and his radio players just just so you can tell me, oh, by the way, there's a fire somewhere in... Uh, there's a forest fire in B.C. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you can tell me that during the fucking news, okay? I want to hear my... I want to hear my white people music. <laughs> yeah, give me some of that big band swing music or whatever it was. Um, oh no, swing! Swing is just swing is for like the young kids. This that's way too fucking energetic. Yeah, you're right. I need to have music that's so old. The original music, it, the original sheet it was written on, has been long decomposed. <laughs> like that's my music. Yeah, and I guess I don't even think that it would be like something they would in real life. They, at even at the time, they wouldn't have interrupted anything. This was just a way of bringing about the elements of the uh, of the story. Shortly after these, uh, the announcement of the eruption of Mars, the next breaking news uh, flash is that there's been several meteors uh, that have hit all over the Earth. Oh, and the first one that gets mentioned is Nova Scotia. Maritimes are getting mentioned in sci-fi movies. Respect, just like Night of the Comet. Canada didn't exist in 1938. Come on. Um, Yeah, and of course it gradually goes to say that eventually, you know, scientists are saying that these are not ordinary meteors. They have a metallic composition. They hear sounds from inside of them. Um, people yeah. are gathering around, police have it barricaded off, military getting involved, Pe- police are, people are gathering around in great numbers. And all um, this has happened within the first eight minutes, so for a good thing, I gotta say, this has got great pacing. It really does. The beginning. Yeah. Eight pacing minutes in, boom, Martians have landed. And we're getting the whole breakdown, like an up, uh, a minute-by-minute update from somebody that I have written down as uh, 1938's Lesson Essman. Um... <laughs> Because that's what the guy sounded like. He's just so, 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 so monotone and just like, before it's even like thought of that this could be Martians, he just seems like a little too energetic about the whole thing. Um, I tell you, man, this story about a rock falling in, the story about a rock falling in the field, it could be world changing. Yes. I got to get my voice on. Eventually, um... These meteors that now they discover are like actual spacecraft start to open up and they actually see some Martians emerge from it. Um, yeah, they described them. I, I, I tried to remember what he described him like, but I, I couldn't quite remember. I think he described him as like almost like snake like reptilian like esque, uh, slime covered, uh, long like spindly arms. Uh, red eyes, I think you said. Weird, I should have actually wrote down the notes about how they described them. But um, people didn't seem to be too scared. They started approaching them. <laughs> Police officers especially were approaching. And uh, they said the Martians pull out some, uh, use a weapon that's basically a heat ray. And yeah. start just basically people just spontaneously combusted from and, like a... <laughs> and you hear it. Like, you yeah. You hear like... <laughs> And you hear people screaming, um, then, like, the broadcast goes dead. 
And then we start getting reports from other like news stations. Uh, they're coming in saying that the same thing is happening all over the world. There's reports of the Martians attacking people with, uh, with these heat weapons. Uh, then they go back into the meteors and eventually... Uh, some other crafts come out of the meteor, like these uh, tripod walking metal cr- metal crafts. Yeah, um, long snake like legs mm-hmm. emerge, and then the crafts start making their way towards New York City. Yes. So basically, the Martians are on the move. It's uh, they're going for a full scale attack. These things are equipped with the uh, with the heat rays as well, and not only that, but they are uh, gassing people as well. <laughs> when uh, the military starts to retaliate, fire back, they shoot down some planes with the heat rays. Then the military starts using some heavy artillery, and uh, they start letting off poisonous gas. Uh, basically, the way it gets described is that it seems like. On the outskirts of cities and things, the Martians are using the heat rays to, you know, just to annihilate any people that uh, that they encounter. But in the cities, they're using uh, poisonous gas as if they want to keep the cities intact. Yeah, but the, but they don't like they want the cities intact. But for some reason, they don't want the power lines. They keep knocking those over. Yeah, they keep destroying the power lines. I guess that's kind of like a, a tactical thing to cut out to, to help knock out communications. And, Which uh, is a, a good strategy. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go through the actual story because everybody knows the story. You don't have We don't have to dwell on every little aspect. Eventually, all broadcasts go out, and then we're getting a recording from a person that's a survivor of the attack. And as far as he knows, he's the only person left alive. He's encountered nobody else. He's scavenging for food. He even... Uh, Says something about like he uh, he actually ate today. He managed to find in like a, a destroyed kitchen. He found some moldy bread and an orange that wasn't too spoiled to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he encounter eventually does encounter another person. And this person, um, I think, you know, tr- suffering a little bit from uh, going through a traumatic event, has uh, gone a little loopy. Because uh, his thing is, he wants to, uh, anybody that survives, he thinks they should go into the sewers where they can't be detected and start studying, uh, learning how to beat the Martians, and maybe eventually being able to capture one of their machines and attack them. And, Which, uh, at that point, sounds like a decent plan, until you hear, the ne- until you get to the next part of the plan. Yeah, what was the next part of the plan? After blowing up the Martians, then you can use it to turn on people that you don't like and just take over the world. <laughs> yeah, basically weed out the weak. <laughs> if only the strong survive. Oh, uh, this guy was this guy would definitely be wearing a red hat today. Mm-hmm, like for he sure. was all about the strong must survive, the weak have to be cut out, all all like all like the weak office workers. None of that. You need like strong tradespeople, soldiers, people that know how to fight and kill and, and have the stomach for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all the weak office worker. I'm an office worker, and I'll kick that guy's ass. That guy from the radio eighty years ago. <laughs> the guy who's <laughs> the guy who's so dead. Even his kids are dead. <laughs> and so yeah, so basically, and I, I I like the guy's reaction though. The, the survivor, like after he talks to this guy because of the plan, he's like, "Well, good luck to you," and then sleeps. 
Yeah. Um, uh, that's not that's not my world. <laughs> yeah. It's he basically just like nope's out of there. Um, and of course, this it looks grim. It looks like you know the army had no. With all the army's resources, all they managed to do was take down one of the Martians' fighting machines, and there's still hundreds left. So the army has been completely decimated and barely made a scratch into the uh, Martians' invading army. Yeah, and they were only able to blow up that one thing because the guy carrying the bomb. We we but before we get to that guy, we hear like. Uh, once the the CBC is apparently gone, we for some inexplicable reason immediately switch over to just intercepted radio transmissions between bombers and mm-hmm. their airfields, and we hear one guy. He is his entire squadron gets heat raid, and he's just like my engines are out, but I can still guide it. Like if I can't drop the bomb, but I can deliver it personally. Yeah, apparently and, he uh, he does a he goes into kamikaze mode. Yeah, and he's the only guy that knocks out one Martian thing. Yeah. So, it looks like Earth is doomed. But, of course, this is, you know, this is was the classic twist that got everybody. Um, with all our might, with all our army, our weaponry, all our artillery that barely made anything, it was the smallest creatures on the planet that, that eventually got us our victory because... The Martians are not immune to the microbes and diseases of Earth, and they eventually succumb to it. That God in his infinite wisdom put on the planet. Yeah. So, that's how the Martians get taken out. By Earth's by having no immunity to Earth's microbes. So, that's it. That's the classic story. That's like, you know, a very brief description of the story. Uh, but... Very well done. I mean, at the time, there was nothing like it. I mean, uh, the overall story from the H.D. Uh, Wells novel, of course. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool to take this story that took place in, like, the late 1800s and uh, just adapt it to, to to the time. You know, put it like, hey, what would happen if this... Basically, he just said, "I this is a great story. What would happen if it happened now? Yeah, would a, would a nation like as militarily powerful as America stand a chance? And just like England at the time, fuck no. Yeah. So basically, then this is what happened. It's like this was a mock news report. And people that listened to it at the beginning, that got the description of it first, they knew what was happening. It was just entertainment, you know, like a nice little Halloween treat. And uh, what I thought was pretty cool was that you know, when, when it comes to Halloween, you don't typically think of, like, an alien invasion. No, it's more think sci-fi of something, than horror. Yeah, you're going to, typically, it's going to be something uh, um, supernatural. Or it's going to be um, supernatural or at least, like, a something it would in, be a, in the it form would be a of a play. slasher. It would at yeah. least be a play that you could tell is a play. Exactly. But no, they went the uh, the sci-fi route, and I guess like one of the first things that was like kind of like uh, that would be classified as sci-fi horror. So uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, of course, people. What happened is that people tuned in midway through, thought this was a new, uh, a new, uh, an actual like, real news report, and, and just <laughs> freaked the fuck out, and didn't bother listening to the rest of it and going like, wait a second, there was a commercial break there. Uh... And now we're talking about a guy who, apparently if all the reporters are gone, why are we hearing this guy? 
like if they just had to listen to the whole thing and just be like oh okay i, I missed the first part but now it makes sense it's like they only listen to like from 10 minutes to 20 minutes or 25 minutes because about a half an hour it goes into intermission so yeah you, you just think that if you listen to it for more than 20 minutes you'd be like oh okay i can put my rifle away where we're, we're safe we're good mm-hmm. I, I probably shouldn't be calling people up on like uh give me klondike five four give me klondike four five two hey it's the green men they're here listen to the radio we're fucked <laughs> yeah so it it was uh pretty cool and like it's um there's even a story where like there was some pandemonium when police re- uh, realized what was happening they actually tried to uh, bust into cbs studios and stop the production before it was finished it's probably why they went into intermission in the first place yeah it could be maybe that's why they did that whole tonal shift instead of keeping it on as a uh, as a news report Hmm. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, so this had a major influence too. Like uh, for something, okay. Let's let's just take a look at how much influence this had, uh, even in recent years. Because we take the original book, which is like a just like a, such a well uh, a well rounded, uh, well worldwide recognized book, gets made into this radio play in 1938. Gets made into a movie in the 1950s. Um, and a good one. A, a great one, yeah. Made into a TV show in the 1980s, which was actually a sequel to... Uh, an actual sequel to the 1958 movie. Yep, even had the actress in it in an episode. Yep. Which uh, continued the story. And... Uh, Pretty I, I, cool. Did you ever watch that show? I did actually, and uh, I, I actually, I watched it when I was a kid, and I actually really liked it at the time. I haven't watched it in recent years, so I have no idea how it holds up. But while it was airing, I did like it. I saw an episode of it recently, and it is like typical '80s future sci-fi. It, it, it was, it was great. I watched a couple of, uh, I watched the first episode where the Martians actually try to reclaim one of their saucers. And it is like the actual saucer. They can't get it moving, so they have it. They're hauling it on a flatbed, but the the death ray still works. And what the what the science team were able to do was they took a basically a uh, like a lighthouse dome mirror, mm-hmm. and they used that to reflect the beam back at the ship to blow it up. <laughs> okay, cool. So I think I remember pretty... that one. Sounds familiar, actually. I think it, it was the pilot re- episode. It was pretty. Oh well, great. yeah. Okay, so I de- definitely did see that. The first season of it was great, and then the second season they just decided, how about we fire the entire script writing team, which was great, we'll put in a bunch of assholes, and now aliens have a, uh, a new predator following them, and we're going to kill off one of the main characters. Oh. So it was just poorly handled in the second season, but, you know, the first season was great. Oh, cool. I'm going to have to revisit that show for sure. And, um... And after the TV show, only within, when was it, about 10 years ago or so? Probably more than that. But uh, we actually had another movie that starred Tom Cruise. Yep, and this one, it in some ways, was a little more faithful, at least in the design of the ship. It, and how it uh, operated. 
there were some things that I I did enjoy about the movie and the fact that like they did try to take keep something to the the source material. Yeah, because, actual uh, tripods instead of flying machines. The uh, the black smoke to uh, to choke out the people. The red weeds as their vegetation. Yeah, um, but still wasn't a good movie though. <laughs> well, no, it was that yeah. Yeah, there. That's the other thing. <laughs> it was like, it was good and like some design. Obviously, somebody had influence, some influence and in say, no, this is what things are supposed to look like. Let's um, make sure that it looks this way. It looked the movie itself looked great. I will give it that. It, visually, I thought it was really well done. Um, but that was pretty much it. Yeah, like the Martian when the Martian finally starts attacking in the Martian vessel, the tripod starts attacking the city. And starts vaporizing people into dust. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of like how a microwave beam would work. Just evaporating all the moisture and turning people into dust. Yeah. So it it had some good points and uh, even some nice personal moments when Cruz finds that raving, that again, that militant, uh, a militant lunatic. Yes, exactly. They still got, they left that in, you know, finding this, uh, this like really, um, Oh, I got a plan. We need to come up with a plan to take down the Martians type of person. Like, First, we've uh, got to call the weak so that only the strongest can survive. Exactly. But yeah, so that was, uh, like, I mean, it did have its moments, but overall it was not a good movie. I did not enjoy it. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a fan edit of it, which is only like 40 minutes long. Which is <laughs> All like the Martian attack scenes. Um, do I dare say that uh, Mars Attacks was a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was a was was highly influenced by uh, War of the Worlds, a spiritual sequel. Yeah, I haven't watched that. I have no idea. I remember uh, enjoying that. In the th- I actually saw it in the theater and enjoying it. Uh, I might have been a tiny bit high while watching it. Um, <laughs> have not seen it since. So, like the one and only time I've seen this movie was in the in the theater during its original release. So might not hold up. Um, but hey, what? Hey, I- hey, people suggested for the show. Yeah. What I want to see is a brand new War of the Worlds movie and keep it identical to the source material, like even set it in uh, 1898. Yep, Victorian England. Give us Victorian England facing off these things like, let's get the Grenadiers and Fusiliers. Oh, no, our muskets do nothing. Oh, tally-ho, queen and country. Oh, Cause yeah, like you know, loading, hop on your penny farthing. Let us evacuate. Loading cannons into like horse-drawn wagons to uh, attack the tripods. That would be awesome. I would love to see that. And um, so apparently, this is an update. I did a Google search just before we started recording. Uh, apparently, there is a BBC series coming. Uh, of War of the Worlds, and it is going to be based on the original novel. Fuck yes. So, um, filming actually started this past summer. So this is something that may be coming fairly soon. Um, so is uh, quote here, uh, War of the World, this is going to be a War of the Worlds uh, that is... What I want to make. Something that is faithful to the tone and spirit of the book. So, yeah. It's actually going to be taking place in the uh, late 1800s. So, 
I'm going to be looking forward to that. I think it's something that th that would be the best way to do it. Keep it closer to the source material. I think that if I have one complaint about the uh, like the adaptations of the novel is that they always try to set it in the time that during the time that the uh, that the you know that it's being that it's being made that it's being developed. But like just every why is it that people are afraid to stick to source material when they're making a movie or a TV show? Well, because if it's not about America, why would an American want to see it? Yeah, well, I guess this is why it's good that it's uh, the BBC that's doing this. So, okay, so... But and now... if you want some good material, there is Superman vs. the War of the Worlds, a paperback which was released in 2000, and you can get it on Amazon for uh, 20 bucks. Yeah, I've not read that, so I have no idea how if that's. Any I good. did. I read the whole thing, it's and got, it's got the Mike seal of approval. Yeah, it, it it well, it starts off with Clark Kent being the reporter sent to Grover's Mills, and him and Lois Lane are there checking it out, and then the tripod sticks out its death ray beam, sweeps through the crowd. Clark just like grabs Lois, huddles under her. And the beam just passes over him, vaporizing everyone around them, including his clothes. So when she's just like surprised she's surviving, she pushes herself away from Clark, who's like warm. And she sees the Superman uniform and all that's left is his glasses because he was facing her instead of the machine. That's all he's got left. So the jig is up. She knows who he is. And that's how it, <laughs> that's pretty that's cool. What, that's how it begins. And so Superman ends up like taking down one of these tripods, but it's such a big fight. It's hard. Like it is really hard because this is like 30s level Superman where he can't, I don't even think he can fly at this point. He's just like really good jump. He's like a really super powered flea. Yeah. Like uh, the original Superman comics, he like his flight ability was something that was added much later. Yeah. So this is like a, an old depowered Superman, not like a, a man of God. Not like a walking Jesus Christ, I can vaporize the earth with a sneeze, Superman. He is like underpowered, just like a really strong alien himself. Like he can barely take apart one of these things. And then he's hearing reports of like they're coming in en masse all around the world. So he's like, I I'm just one person. I, I can't do this by myself. So the military bring in their top scientists to help him. And guess who it is? Lex Luthor. Fucking A. So, of course, Lex sells out Earth to the Martians for their technology and is surprised when they betray him. So, it has all the makings of a good Superman comic blended in with a great H.G. Wells story. And I, I can just tell you from my personal experience, it's worth reading. It's good. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I, I'd check that out. I would uh, give that a read for sure. Um, okay, so we talked about like how the influence, the source material, the radio play, the influence that the, uh, the source material has had and it continues to have. But let's go through some things that we actually uh, liked about the uh, radio play and didn't like. Sure. So I'm going to give it like, first of all, like I got to mention that the story itself, like this was so well done, such a clever idea. The book itself was like a great, like original story. Uh, probably one I and I, I'm just going by what I think. Like I have no idea how accurate this is. Probably the first example of like an alien invasion in literature. 
And um, well, you know what inspired the book itself, right? Nope. Is that because Orson Welles, when H.G. Wells was going to uh, do a book, he was wondering, like, what the hell is everybody reading? And everybody was so up on invasion stories. And it was all about, like, what if the Spanish had a, a super weapon or the French or the uh, the Prussians? Like, what, like, everybody was so enamored with the superiority and uh, invincibility of the British Empire that their fantasies all revolved around, what if one country actually could stand up to us? Wouldn't that be a fantastical thing? And that, that took the place of several novels that people just loved. Like, oh my gosh, like, what if all these events transpired where Britain could actually be vulnerable to something? Mm-hmm. And H.G. Wells is just like, motherfucker, have I got a tale for you. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so cool. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, that's great. Like it was um, a great original story. They and to take that and say like, hey, that's so cool. I uh, love the story. How what would happen if this took place in modern times? Modern times being 1938, and um, modern times also being America. Yes, and uh, I think it was really well done. Like uh, just I I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it would play out. And so uh, I can't imagine how entertaining this must have been. Like to hear that originally, and if you're one of the few people that actually tuned in from the beginning and was aware, this is just a really nice radio drama, not the actual end of the fucking world. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. My good is the pacing. I mean, eight minutes in, Martians have landed. Nine minutes in, Toronto gets mentioned. Eleven minutes in. We finally get to Grover's Mill, the big place where this all takes place. And 16 minutes in, the reporter, Carl Phillips, his report gets cut off, and so does his existence. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I love the pacing in this. Like, right off the bat, shit has hit the fan. And they, get, they try to do, like, a little world building where it's like, oh, no, we're listening to the Harry Herman Orchestra. And you just think, oh man, they're not going to play like the whole song, are they? We're not going to get like House of uh, House of uh, Frankenstein really going to play the entire song, are they? N- no, they play like a minute, and up oh, we interrupt for blah blah blah. Like you're brought in, like oh this is like like live events happening, yet happening way too fast for reality. But you know, for storytelling, it's great. Yeah, it is. It's tr- very true. Um, so we talked about the story, overall story, the pacing, um, I don't know really if there's anything good, like, that's pretty much it for me, like, I mean, that's good enough, like, just, it's such an entertaining, well-paced story, uh, done with, like, a hint of realism to it, and I mean, obviously, that was, because since so many people thought it was an actual real news broadcast, (laughs) Um, and yeah, my, my final good is just like the, the way the scientist describes how he thinks the heat ray works. After the, after the reporter is dead, he has to basically interview himself. Right, yes. So yeah. And so. They, even, they, even remen- they even mentioned that like they found the report, like they identified the charred remains of Carl Phillips. They did, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, to talk about that. 
a little bit. So, so that that's all good. Like it is certainly worthwhile. A couple of things I want to mention this slide about that I thought were done a little iffy, and I don't I don't know if this is a sign like just something like because of the time it was made, but. Man, everybody seemed to be pretty fucking calm that they had just like realized that uh, just realized that uh, you know they were made known of the existence of Martians. Like the top of the meteors open up, Martians come out, and immediately, like they said, like people, police are trying to hold people back, but people are just like walking straight up to them, basically. <laughs> How did how there, little fella? How about I shake your uh, hand? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hi, hey there, hey there, Martian boy. Yeah, you want an apple? Everybody is so calm. Like even the reporter is very calm about what's happening. When they start using the Heath Ray and they say like, oh, like, oh, the police walking up just burst into flames. He's saying it so matter of factly. Like just, <laughs> you should be screaming, like <laughs> running and panicking and just like you know panic. Talking as he's running away from them, you know, like just. I'm getting the hell out of here. No story's worth this. Yeah, like everybody's so so like he just stood there and reported as people are being disintegrated in front of him. You hear people like screaming on fire, <laughs> and then he gets disintegrated. It's coming this way. <laughs> Cuts off. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? Back then, people in the news were professional. Yeah, I guess that's it. Not not like this bullshit today. Yeah. And uh, so, like, nobody, no one seemed to be too panicked about it. Like, people um, were very calm. Um, even, like, and, and afterwards, when they were talking about the things that happened, like, you mentioned about, like, oh, they found, we found the, uh, I can't remember the reporter's name, but found his charred corpse. <laughs> It's like you could have just said that you discovered his body or something, right? Like you didn't have to get a give a description of what happened well, to they, the guy. They wanted you to. They needed to let you know that the, that he died from the heat ray, not that he was trampled in a riot or something by a merit by by panicked farm folk. Yeah, they wanted you to know that he got got by the aliens. Yeah, I guess. Well, they certainly did. <laughs> they did a great job of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as uh, far as one of my moments in half an hour in, like when I when I was talking about the pacing being great and everything, it was off to a great start, and start was great. About half an hour in, it stops being a report, and it just for about a good ten minutes just becomes a collection of various intercepted radio transmissions between bases or uh some other radio like it kind of ends with one uh with one final radio broadcast uh where's it from it wasn't from the chrysler building was it it was some building in new york city though yeah and like i don't know why like if they wanted to stick with the radio, with the uh, with the news radio motif, but they kind of just it kept bouncing tonally and uh, narratively from one point to another, so it got a little mishmashed and confusing. Though it did, and just when you think, oh, we're back to a radio thing, so okay, so this is all just various radio transmissions, and then the reporter in the Palisades gets uh, smoked out and. He describes the smoke how the smoke cloud getting closer and closer, and then he eventually, you know, starts coughing and collapses. And then I'm just like, oh, so I wonder what radio source we're going to be hearing next. 
And then we get Dr. Richard, Professor Richard Pearson, somehow the lone survivor of Grover's Mills, still in Grover's Mills, because I guess the aliens decided once they vaporized everything, they're not going to be thorough and come back. So he found that one place that still had a little bit of food left in it. And it's just him, like, it, we think he's talking to himself, but then it turns out, like, as he continues talking, that apparently he's sharing this story with future survivors like he's just like writing down his notes so like narratively it, it was chaotic like like I, I would have preferred a little bit of consistency in where we're getting this information from like is this like is it supposed to be found footage intercepted transmissions a diary entry like where like who's telling this fucking story yeah that's right it loses its sense of realism there you know, if they stuck with it like that, it was a broadcast, say, like from a, a reporter that witnessed the whole thing, and he's got uh, like a mobile unit that he can record the whole thing on. Yeah, where he's with the military as they're being attacked. Then he gets, then he gets invaded. <coughs> and now he's going to Washington, where the Pentagon, where uh, well, they didn't have the pen. Did they have the Pentagon in the thirties? I have no idea, dude. No, it was probably just a. It was probably a dodecahedron back then. <laughs> But still, if it was, like, one guy, or at least if it's, like, various affiliates of the same network as, you know, each city falls, the, the, the broadcasting gets sent to a different reporter in a neighboring state, like, letting you know the devastation, and, like, that reporter gets vaporized, and then we're just like, now we're in California. Mm-hmm. Like, keep it as reporters yeah. coming. That, that would have been... It would have been consistent. Yeah, once they were out of the radio station... It, to, then it was like, oh, this is when it takes a downturn now because now it lost its sense of um, it urgency. lost its sense of, of urgency, its sense of realism to me. That's when it yeah, started the, to the decline. Th- yeah, it felt like a threat. Yeah. Before now, it's just one guy revealing his, like telling a story. So you're just like, well, shit, he's not in any danger because he's telling the fucking story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I went into like the guy's like monologue, then it's like ah, now I'm now I've lost interest. <laughs> yeah, it got. Duh. Yes. So, yeah. So that uh, definitely, it definitely the the, se- the uh, final act, the second half of the uh, of the broadcast really loses it. Um, but still, you know, worthwhile to listen to. It's a great piece of nostalgia, a piece of history, really. Especially when you when you connect uh, the real pandemonium that sprung from this fake news report, this oh, radio and, play. And- and it's and part of it's in the broadcast itself. Exactly. And so uh, so yeah, so that's uh, check it out. What I would recommend, what this is a great thing. If you're like, you know, handing out treats, um, you you've got uh, you're staying at home Halloween night, uh, which is, you know, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the day of its release, um, have this on in the background. It makes such a good Halloween background noise. It's uh, just hard to find anything more perfect than this. Oh, yeah. I did, like, have, like, one little gripe. Like, apparently the Martians can't handle the smoke either. Yeah. I thought it was part of their atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but well... It turns out the, Marsh- the Martians have to bring out, like, basically steam cannons to blow out the black air when they're done with it yeah well you know in real we use chemical warfare that like you know doesn't matter who creates it either both sides are still can be affected by it so well that was something i was gonna i just i was wondering if i should put it on like a bit of a nitpicky thing but like 
the Martians, with all their advanced technology, they didn't think of like, hey, maybe there's some kind of microbes there that we may not be immune to, that we should wear some <laughs> kind of biohazard suit while we're there. Yeah, or stay in our ships. Yeah. You know, or wear like wear like their own gas masks. I mean, like, that's one of one of the first things we would make sure. If we start sending people to other planets, they're going to arrive in completely 100% sealed suits. Yeah, or, or better yet, you send, like, scouts with radio equipment to be like, okay, I can breathe the air, I'm fine, okay, um, I'm getting a bit of a cough. Oh, shit, my outsides are, my insides are outside. This is not good. Call off the invasion, like. You send a scout or something. If like, it keeps saying like we're being watched with intelligences greater than our own. Really? Mm, we would have. Would you call them an we, advanced? In- if we were going to invade another planet, I think we would have thought about that. Yeah, we got to get like a. If you could send a probe like with like a canister, like like a vacuum or something, suck up the air, take some samples, and either come back or send the data back to us, so that we can be like, okay, this is the elements of their atmosphere. Oh. Fuck, look at these things swimming in the air. It's like it's like they're just like swimming among garbage. Mm-hmm. How the hell do these people live? Like like if you're an advanced civilization, you you think that would be their thing. Exactly. I loved uh one thing I did love was Orson Welles's ending where he addresses the <laughs> clearly he's had a he, he's had a bit of a tongue uh, tongue wagging from the from the head office and the cops. <laughs> so when when the broadcast ends, he's been brought up to speed that, you know, you're doing some shit. And he says, we, hey, we just we hope you enjoyed our very fake broadcast. It was just our way of dressing up in a sheet and saying boo. And since, <laughs> yes. we, and since we couldn't soap your windows and steal your garden gates, that was a thing. That was a Halloween thing? What? <laughs> yeah, really. Stealing your garden gates? We did the next best thing and annihilated the world before your very ears and utterly destroyed the CBS. And I think he meant that part quite, <laughs> quite contemporarily as, you know, this network is in deep shit. We utterly destroyed the CBS. But take heart and just know that that glowing thing by your door is just a pumpkin. And if you hear a knocking at your door, it's not a Martian. It's just Halloween. Exactly. That was fantastic. I love that. Uh, so yeah, so that's the World World's Radio Play, guys. If you have not, I'm sure everybody is aware of this thing existing, but if you have not actually listened to the actual broadcast, check it out. Uh, you can find it pretty much anywhere. Google it. Well, for instance, one of the things I discover is that if you Google uh, War of the Worlds original radio play, you'll find a Wikipedia page. The whole thing is on the Wikipedia. You just cl- yep. You just push play and it's right there. And you can also get it on archive.org. Mm-hmm. And whatever, however you find your podcast as well, search War of the Worlds and you'll find several, several sites where you can get the original broadcast and listen to it. So it's easy to find. You'll have no problem there. Okay, so guys, that is it. That is our coverage of World Worlds. What do you think of it? Um, what did you Have you listened to the original radio play? What do you think of that? Are you a fan of any of the War of the Worlds movies or the TV show? Are you excited about the new TV show that's coming? We want to hear all about it. And also, we want to hear about uh, your Halloween. What do you do for Halloween this year? Let us know. You can do that by emailing us at graveyardshift, uh, by graveyardshiftpod at gmail.com. 
You can follow us on Twitter at GYS underscore HorrorPod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheGraveyardShiftPod, and Instagram at Instagram.com slash TheGraveyardShiftPod. If you're feeling particularly generous and you want to help us out with some of the costs of running the show and help us out with uh, buying some treats for the trick-or-treaters, you can head on over to Patreon.com slash Graveyard. Uh, there you can make a little donation to the show, a monthly donation, and for as little as $1 a month, you get access to some exclusive Patreon-only bonus content. Um, each month we throw up a new Patreon-only episode that you cannot get on the regular feed, and we do it a little bit different than we do for regular feed. We'll talk about movies in their full synopsis right from start to finish, talk about video games, we'll do top ten lists, all kinds of stuff, and um, just head on over there and you can take care of that. Of course, if you've already spent all your budget on uh, your Halloween this year and you don't have any money left over to donate to us, we totally understand. Um, but you can still help us out a ton by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whatever format you ingest your podcast, whether it's through iTunes, Stitcher, or some other podcast app. Or if you do it through social media, there's always some kind of rating system there. So a five-star review would help us out greatly, and we greatly appreciate it. Of course, you can always share us on social media with anybody you think would be interested in listening to uh, us guys talk about horror movies. Um, Mike, other than the graveyard shift, what other um, less important things do you have going on? <laughs> I've got the Technobabble podcast where me and Rich Reader talk about science. Well, mostly just technological gadgets and shit, but sometimes a little bit of science if I think that there's a, uh, a breakthrough or development or something that will uh, enhance or modify technology as we see it. And uh, we also try to inject a little bit of good news and positivity where technology is being used to improve the quality of life of people around the world. And there's also the Playing With Power podcast, which will eventually get a new episode. Eventually. <laughs> somehow. But you can still enjoy all the old episodes, about 200 of them. And that, it, or 100. 100, 200? I don't know. A lot. I, I, I only pay attention to this podcast. I think because we Because you are the best audience in the world agreed absolutely and i've also got the the uh the taste test retro gaming with flavor where we listen to where we play old video games and uh compare them with food we do great skits and uh you know chatting fun comedy mic talk good all kinds of good stuff yeah check them out if you can't get enough of mike and i mean Really, who can? Especially this time of year, this will be a nice little uh, little treat to uh, to get you through this uh, glorious holiday season. But yeah, check those out. They are all good, all all top quality Mikeisms. So you're gonna want to take a look at those. So Mike, here it is, another Halloween ready to go, my friend. Tomorrow is the big day. Uh, you gonna do some trick or treating, or are you just gonna do some partying? Uh, I don't know anybody who parties, so <laughs> there's no place for me to be invited to. Right. So I'm just going to be sitting home playing Diablo 3, which is, I think, a nice little spooky horror-themed uh, game, at least in spirit. I haven't played too much of it yet. I, don't, I only just got it today. Mm -hmm. And uh, if not, I'll probably be watching Ghostbusters or something and handing out candy at the door after pilfering the good shit for myself. Awesome. 
Because fuck those kids. Do you do like one for me, one for you type Halloween deal? Oh, definitely. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I always buy the Halloween candy is like that. I don't care what's most popular. Whatever I like, that's what I'm going to buy because yeah. I want to make sure there's coffee, lots of Coffee crisp, coffee crisp, Reese cups. Sorry, kids. I'm all out of those. I'll just, I, I say that while pushing a big pile aside with my foot out of view of the door. Yeah. Especially towards the end. I, I'm generous at the beginning, but when it starts winding down, I start getting a little, <laughs> a little more stingy and putting, start pushing like all the stuff that I enjoy to this one side of the bowl. So yeah, so I have no idea what uh, what kind of turnout last year wasn't that great. We end up getting like eighty four trick or treaters on our street. So I have no idea what to expect this year, but uh, we're well prepared. Um, we got eighty four last year. We're prepared right now for a hundred and twenty. So that's with a oh that you know what I you know what we should be watching instead. Hmm. I just found out the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Is going to be coming out on October twenty sixth. Oh, so maybe that means it's already out. That, yeah. So, uh, oh, maybe that's what I'll be watching uh, during trick or treat time tomorrow. Yeah, because I mean, we we're hearing a lot of good things about this stuff. Yeah, cool. Um, also, um, because we're doing now, what I'm saying tomorrow, guys, uh, I'm just saying it like as uh, to put a little bit of uh, futurism in the show because. Tomorrow for us is not actually Halloween. We're recording this well in advance. So, um, but coming up this weekend, the weekend before Halloween, I'll, I'll talk in real time right now as we're recording. I'm actually going to be um, going to be someplace I've never been before. I'm actually going to go spend a few days with uh, my friend Rick, who's been on the podcast before. Actually, he was on our Halloween episode last year. Uh, my friend Rick, he lives in Yellowknife, way up in the Northwest Territories of Canada. So I'm actually going uh, going a little north. Spending weekend with Rick, and uh, we're actually going to go to a haunted house while there, part of like a the Halloween weekend celebration. And uh, I might take some video for that, so take a look at that. I might take some video and audio and stuff, and uh, throw it up on all our social media uh, pages. So uh, check to be on the lookout for those. It should be a fun time. All right, so guys, that's it. Tomorrow is Halloween. We're talking. Well, I was talking future tense now. <laughs> Tomorrow's Halloween, uh, guys. Uh, hope you have a great time. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and uh, hope you enjoyed our little tribute to the 80th anniversary of the War of the Worlds radio play. Um, on the big day tomorrow, whatever you do, whether it's you go trick or treating or you go you party. Uh, you just stay home, watch horror movies, whatever the case is, however you do your Halloween, have fun, and most importantly, be safe. We're going to be back with another episode, and we're going to go back to our regular way of doing things. I know we deviated a bit there, but we're going to go back to the regular way of doing things where we're going to be watching a movie that was suggested by one of you beautiful people, and we'll be breaking it down into the good, the bad, and the whatever. Uh, but that's for next time. Uh, until then, I'm Sheldon. And I'm Mike. Thank you again for joining us for another Graveyard Shift Halloween episode. Happy Halloween, everybody.